Escape from Plan A. Hello, it's Taylor. Somebody had a really good question about what it's like to be Asian and to be a transgender and, you know, coming out to parents and all that. So I'm going to make a video to answer your questions. So let's start with my parents. Hi listeners, welcome to another episode of Escape from Plan A. I will be your host, Oxford Kondo, and I'm I'm so happy to be joined here tonight by Nia. Hello. Hey Nia, and Sen. Hey. And uh, now a veteran, Sam. Hey. Hey guys. Uh, but, but before we start, just our usual uh, pre-pod talk about... You know, subscribing to us if you like us. Please rate us on iTunes. We're on, you know, iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Google Play. And if you have any feedback, you know, you know, whether positive or negative, uh, please send it to editor.plantamag at gmail.com. We're also on Facebook, so you can follow us there. Uh, so yeah, this is going to be a, a podcast just talking about all matters. Uh, about LGBTQ because we haven't done an episode about that yet and it's you know been a long time coming. So with our special guest, uh, why don't you just introduce yourselves, uh, starting with you, Nia. Uh, hello, everybody. My name is Nia. And since this is uh, a LGBT episode, my pronouns are she, hers, hers, or they, them, theirs. Uh, I'd like to be referred to by that, those pronouns. I am a uh, trans-Asian woman. Uh, I'm in my 30s. I am an, uh, an artist and an activist, and I work in the nonprofit uh, field. So I think that should do, right? <laughs> oh, yes. yeah, we can definitely get more in depth <laughs> later. Uh, thanks, Nia, for, uh, for that very brief uh, introduction. Uh, Sen, wh- uh, what about you? Um, hi, my name is Sen. Um, I consider myself a writer. Um, I'm an aspiring media maker. Um, I'm also a community. Well, I consider myself a community organizer, um, just mobilizing queer and trans communities of color, um, especially in New York City, just to decrease isolation and to build community. Um, I live in Queens, New York. Um, I'm 23. And, oh, and I'm also Chinese. So, yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, thanks, Sam. And mm-hmm. Sam, I mean, I think a lot of our uh, longtime listeners probably no- need no introduction to you, but uh, assuming for like first time listeners, uh, please tell us a bit about yourself. Hey, uh, my name is Sam. Um, identify as bi slash queer and uh, trying to think what to say to introduce myself. Um, I also identify with the working class, particularly working class Chinese community. And uh, recently been doing a lot of thinking of how to connect these communities to resist um, marginalization and oppression. Oh, yep. Uh, uh, thanks for that, Sam. Uh, so this is an episode we've been trying to do for, I, I think, uh, over a month. Uh, I'm finally so happy to do it. And I mean, the, the whole thing started when, uh, Nia, you reached out to us, I think, on our Facebook page. And I was just like so happy to receive that um, because I, I the reason I think... Um, really want to do this episode is I think like uh you know trans people um get talked about a lot um whether you know positively or uh, or negatively and I, I think it, there's such a rare instance in we in which we actually hear directly from from trans people so yeah I think this episode's going to be um a perfect chance to do that so I'll just kind of sit back a little and just ask you guys about you know your your stories and the issues that i think a lot of us 
don't really know about. So um, who, uh, who wants to start? Uh, I can start. Break the ice. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so you want me to just start? You can start? just start with your life story. Okay. Um, well, I'm, I'm half Chinese, half Vietnamese, and I am a refugee from Vietnam. We were the boat people that came in the late 80s. I, um, I would say that I've always known that I, uh, my gender was more feminine and more um, like a girl slash woman. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I've always known that my, my gender was different than the one that, uh, I, the sex that I was assigned, which was, uh, was male at birth. And even the, the idea of like being assigned that, I don't know if I was really assigned that like at, uh, with a doctor, right? Because I was born in Vietnam and that's, they have a different way of, of doing that. But like, I know that coming to the United States, and um, being in like administrative, like like legal paperwork, I my parents like marked the the male box, you know, because I was born with a penis. But um, mm-hmm. I've always known that I was different, and it wasn't until uh, coming to American school that I was socialized into being a boy at that age. So like, I remember I always used to play with dolls when I was a child, um, dolls. And I was always, um, you know, your typical trans story, but yeah, your typical trans story. Um, and I remember being in school and I remember like first the teachers like telling me that I should not be playing with dolls. Boys don't play with dolls. You oh, know? really? Yeah. Oh, definitely. And then the, the, the students, because, um, my peers, you know, like, like, uh, first graders, second graders and such, like, yeah, you shouldn't be playing with dolls. And also parents too, like looking at me funny because I was playing with dolls. And let, let me be clear when I say parents, I don't mean my parents. My dad, uh, and my mom were very, um, uh, accepting of my gender. Like my father would come home with dolls and, and just like they were, they would spoil me with, you know, with uh, dolls and, and and such things. So, yeah, um, Nia, if I, if I can interrupt you, I'm just absolutely. like, I'm to, could you like, <laughs> could you just paint us uh, like, like a scene of what happened with, with the teachers? Because I, I think I, that 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 would like kind of um, hit me. Because I mean, I I can kind of expect that from like kids and stuff. But so so what would happen? Would it be like like recess or playtime, and then? Uh, you know, how kids would go off and do their thing. And then a teacher would like, uh, tell us like a, a, an instance of that happening. Um, so can I tell us inst- like a clear one that I remember about parents? Uh, okay, sure. Yeah. Cause this, okay. So I, my best friend, Chris, when I was young, um, I remember I had a Linus doll, right. And I, uh, and I was showing, I was showing, uh, we were at Knott's Berry farm and I remember, um, showing we had just bought we were all there I was probably in the second no wait I was in the f- third or fourth grade it's so long I'm so old <laughs> but I was um <laughs> I, you know and I remember buying the Linus doll and I remember you know um the parents telling me that you know oh you have a doll that's so odd why would a boy have you know like just like a very like subtle way of saying it, but it was clear enough for me, you know, as a child. So uh, instances like that. And, um, 
you know, um, moments where like, um, certain behaviors that I had, like in PE, for instance, um, up until high school for that matter, like, uh, being policed by, uh, like police as in like adults telling me that I cannot, like, I shouldn't be walking like that. Like you move like a girl and things like that. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Wait, um, Nia, so can, can I just, uh, oh, I'm sorry. Can I actually ask you something about what you said about, um, like, Vietnam and their gender designations? Like, how did they, because you said it was different from the way that um, they do it in, in, well, over here. I mean, I was such a young child at, at that age, so I don't know, but I know that in, um, my parents were very accepting of me. And even, like, my na- the my parents' like friends and neighbors they would be like oh how's your daughter but i mean they clearly knew that like i was born with a penis right but and maybe they were just joking or maybe they were just being serious i don't know i don't know how to read that because i was a child but um they would like you know how's your daughter and like things like that and they were not talking about my sister i thought you meant like the gender marker oh no i don't like i don't know what i don't know how like it it is when you're in Vietnam and the boxes that you mark, I'm pretty sure it's still male and female, but I don't know if that's right. because of coloni- like Western colonization or you know. But yeah. uh I know that like the 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 family members I mean my, my family members were were receptive and understanding of my gender identity, whatever they read about it at that time. Does that make sense? Uh, Nia, how, how old were you, like, when when this was happening, approximately? Uh, what, specifically? Like, well, when you when you said those, uh, uh, you know, like, other Vietnamese adults were ask, you know, asking your parents, you know, how's your daughter? Like, how old were you when, when this was happening? I was four. Okay, so, so like, what do you think made them uh, say that? Because it was clear that my gender expression, um, let me gender expression is like the way you move and the way you express yourself. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. I think it was pretty clear and I, maybe I'm reaching, like, I'm going to reach out to listeners too, that like, you know, like when you can tell a person has a way of presenting like their gender, you know, like it's, it, uh, um, in Vietnam, I know that like, there's a word that we say and it's deal. Right. Um, and, I know that like up until high school, p- people would call like my, my relatives in Vietnam and even, uh, here in the United States, they would call me deal. And that is it, like, it, it, it's kind of like a way of presenting like a, a, a type of femininity, but I wouldn't even call it femininity. It's just like a way of presenting, you know? I, I think I know what you're talking about. Do you have maybe some like concrete examples? Uh, so that if, if anyone's a little confused, they can, sure. they can get a clearer picture. Yeah, it's just the way that, like, I would, like, play with a fan, you know? Like, it's just, like, uh, the okay. way my my hips move. I don't want to, like, it's, maybe, I don't want to equate it with, like, a specific sex or, mm-hmm. like, feminine or masculine characteristics. It was just the way that I was presenting. And it was how my community read me you know, as yeah. a, a person acting in this space. Does that make sense? I gotta oh, say, I see, I see. yeah, I guess it's really refreshing to hear that because, you know, oftentimes people, trans people get misgendered 
whether intentionally or unintentionally. So I thought it was really nice that, you know, at a child age, they were able to, you know, recognize your, your gender identity that you actually identify with. Um, and also we hear so many stories about, you know, like Asian parents and families who reject their LGBTQI kids. And obviously that happens and it is a problem. But it's that's the only narrative we hear. So it's really refreshing to hear stories like yours in which their parents and families are and neighbors are totally accepting. And that's a real experience in itself, too. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, no, I, I really, truly am blessed. And I love my my parents for being so accepting of me for that. Um, I'll just like try to like move this story on as fast as I can. So that way uh, Sen can go. But um, yeah, so like coming to the U.S. And it honestly, I don't think I began to uh, get like closed in myself until I started being socialized into American schools. Specifically, once um, uh, puberty hit, I began to see the clear demarcation of how I had to act and be present in the schools and around my peers and teachers. Like, you know, um, that was when we were split up into groups that we had to watch the videos about how males, um, you know, uh, are supposed to act and like what happens, the hair grows out, you know, like those puberty videos that I'm talking about. <laughs> right. I think we all unfortunately do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just to, just to specify like where in the United States was this taking place? Oh yeah. I'm sorry. This was taking place in Los Angeles, East LA. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, um, and I grew up in a predominantly Southeast Asian, Asian, uh, South Asian, I'm sorry, Southeast Asian, um, East Asian, uh, Latino, Chicano, um, people of color kind of community. Um, where was it? Oh yeah. And so like, it became clear, like, like, boy, you're a boy. So you do this. I remember like the, 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 the students and my peers like saying, Oh, are you, when are you going to get a girlfriend? Oh, is that your girlfriend? You know, and I didn't, I don't know. I would just, I, it was, I think back to those days and I'm just thinking, fuck, I, oh, sorry. I shouldn't cuss, huh? No, don't worry about no, it. No, no, we, we do that all the time. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> sorry. Um, yeah. So I, I remember thinking back then, like, Oh, wow. Like, uh, in hindsight, I was like acting, I was trying to act the roles that they wanted, like my peers and teachers and everybody wanted me to play, society wanted me to play. And that was the role of, uh, um, a masculine person, right? I remember running for, uh, uh, you know, class election and they at, like, you know, like during the assembly, they would ask you like certain questions like, oh, why are you running for, you know, uh, student government, you know, and one of the questions they asked me like, oh, who would you, who would you date, uh, Jan or Marsha? And I remember like trying to come up with the lamest wait, from the, wait, Brady- that, that was like a, that was like a question. A, like a, like an official, like, you know, to the extent that, you know, student government has a press conference, that was like an official question. That was an official question. But I mean, you know, like, that oh was, the, that was, the, <laughs> that was like, I think the sixth grade. So like, you know, it, it was being asked by the sixth grade president, you know, it's pretty <laughs> lame, so but I know it was, it was so awkward. And my awkwardness was even, my answer was even more awkward. Bless, <laughs> bless my heart. <laughs> um, Wait, what, what was your answer? Oh, God, it was like, um, uh, Marsha, because she's hot. Like, you know, just like, 
my god! Like being being a child, like being a child back then, like thinking about how other guys would respond. You know what I mean? So that way you can、mm-hmm. be liked. It was. Yeah. yeah, it's a tr- it's an atrocious story. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. Sorry.、Right. Um, so I, you know,、uh, up until my twenties, I,、um, and back then I didn't like. I think around high school, that's when I came out as gay because I, I realized that I was attracted to men. Right. Uh, once puberty hit, I knew like I was I I felt myself sexually attracted. To men, right? And I thought, oh, okay, so I must be gay because all of the kids around me were calling me faggot,、uh, and you know,、uh, even adults,、um, even people on the street screaming that at me.、Um, so I must be gay, right?、Uh, and I continued with this identity for a long time, like as you know, because I didn't understand the difference between gender and sexuality. It wasn't. Until、um, I, I'm going to jump far ahead, but it, I didn't transition until 28. I didn't transition medically until 28. And to to be more clear about that, I didn't begin hormone therapy until I was 28 years old.、Um, and now I'm in my 30s, and I'm I'm more in tune with who I am. And I I back to my like、uh, I've gone back to myself. Prior to the socialization that happened to me during Amer-、um, being in Amer- American schools, so long story short,、uh, I feel more at ease with myself than ever before. Like being able to live my life as a woman that I always saw myself to be.、Mm-hmm. Uh, or perhaps I'm gonna ask a question. Perhaps、uh, Sen, you can、uh, answer it and, and and begin telling your own story. But、uh, what Nia and Sen,、uh, when you say things like when you were young,、um, you knew that you you kind of like you know born the wrong gender.、Um, how, like how do you like what made you know that? Because I think a lot of people,、um, even if they if they're not trans people, they they have certain things that they realize aren't. You know, traditionally,、uh, part of their gender. I mean, there are lots of things I like that I know aren't,、um, you know, traditionally masculine. Yet I've never thought that I was born the wrong gender. So, what's like the like the kind of like the tipping point? Can I go first, and then、uh, Sen can lead it lead in with her、uh, story? Yeah. So I d- I didn't like I I want to make the clear distinction that I、uh, I am not I was not born the wrong gender. I was assigned the I was assigned a sex by someone else, like for other, like it was a doctor or you know for different trans people, it was some medical person, right? That that supposedly knew that, right? So I was assigned male at birth, but my gender was something different. I knew that, like, and I knew that my gender was not. The role that was given to, like the role that that was enforced on me, which is a,、uh, I had to play the role of a boy and then a, a, eventually a man. Does that make sense? Um, sure. Could you define what assigned、uh, male at birth、uh, means? Sure. In case like people are confused. Sure. Yeah. So when you when like your pediatrician or you know the、uh, the person that is helping the 
the uh, the female give birth, right? And they pull the baby out, and the fur like they they look okay. This is, and sometimes it's a little earlier too. They look could look during ultrasound, right? But they like the 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 medical person is looking for the sex of the of the baby a penis Mm -hmm. or a vagina clitoris or you know scrotums whatnot sometimes one out of uh, you know i don't want to give a wrong but like there are instances where the the baby has undetermined sex they the the the, they cannot they don't even know if it's if it's a a penis or a vagina because it has uh, it has um grown into something that isn't your typical like what a a penis looks like or what a vagina looks like right so i that's what i mean when i was assigned male at birth male is um is the scientific kind of like a doctor's term to uh, distinguish a uh, person that has a penis and female is a person that has a vagina does that make sense uh-huh. I actually we talked about this I think in in one of our previous calls and we talked about like what the process is if there is any for like the doctors to just choose it. Um so like what yeah, what is so the process? Like In the past I think up until recently they have uh up until recently it's 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 made illegal but in the past uh when a doctor looks at the baby and doesn't know what sex to assign it um, what they do is they would either tell tell the parents, okay, well, your your child has an undetermined sex, uh, we can't assign it, so we can we can take care of this medically, like surgically, right? Where they would just re uh, they would change like surgically remove or like reshape the the sex into a vagina. Um, sometimes they would even not tell the parents that that has happened. Uh-huh. Uh, so what, so what, like, uh, how, how do the doctors determine which, like, which, uh, I guess, sex to assign then? Um, you know what? I'm not, I'm not a, a doctor. I, I, maybe somebody uh, in our API community that can respond, but they, it, it's, there's a, I think there's a certain measurement that they, they used they looked at and, and things like that. Ah, and they, I see. they okay. still do. So, you know, if the penis is too the the phallus looking sex is too small, they can't decide. Or uh, the clitoris is too big. Or sometimes there's both, like a a, a phallus and a clitoris. Um, and you know, for people that want to Google it. You know you can. Uh, the, these these people are uh, called intersex people because they they used to be called hermaphrodites, uh, stemming back from the 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 goddess and the god hermaphroditus. Um, but yeah, they used to call hermaphrodites, and um, and so that's a clear sign that uh, that sex is not as binary as one likes to think. Um, yes, and you know when even even some people. Um, they have their, like, like, for instance, they have a, a vagina, right? But inside, they, like, inside of their vagina, like, uh, uh, the formation of testicles could have grown too. And they wouldn't have known this. Can I add a commentary after? I just want to give, like, a little more knowledge or context to the audience. Um, 
for maybe a better understanding. Uh, yeah, so like you said, things are not as binary as people think uh, it is when it comes to gender and sex. So, um, you know, like most people, my understanding of gender were very limited before too. Um, not in terms of gender roles, but just in terms of gender identity. My knowledge of it were limited. I only understood it as like boys slash men and girls slash women. I, at the time when I was young, I definitely haven't met anyone that was openly uh, a trans individual yet. So my knowledge was just extremely limited. Um, and the narratives I hear are also like similar to I was born the wrong gender. And that's definitely how some trans people feel, but not all trans people feel this way. They feel like this is just part of the journey in which their gender identity just happens to not match with um, assigned uh, sex at birth. So um, what I've learned, and this is all big thanks to the very first anthropology class I took in which a professor would tell us like universal things in all human cultures because anthropologists love looking at those things. So things are universal in human cultures, like families, for example, you could find in all human cultures or religion or some type of spiritual beliefs, you'll find that in all human cultures. So, so she was going through all the universal things. And then when it comes to gender and sex, so I'm going to go with um, biological sex first. So yeah, most of us understand it as female and male, and most people fall under those categories. There are also people known as intersex, um, usually means uh, showing, uh, in, when it comes to gender, showing both female and male uh, characteristics. Um, Yes, it's uh, it's unfortunately true that even to this day, it still happens, maybe not as frequently as before, where intersex babies have surgeries performed them, obviously without their, their consent, their baby, um, sometimes even without their parents' consent, like you said. Uh, I know what happens oftentimes is the parents may be like, oh, my baby has both of these things. I got to shape it to a binary um and more often than not, particularly in cultures where it's very patriarchal, where they f- favor male baby, a son, then they're like, well, you know, son is preferable. Uh, you know, son is who cared family legacy. Let's, uh, let's have the doctor shape it into a penis. Unfortunately, what happens is if the child grows up and happen to identify with gender where that doesn't feel like it's reflected in their biological body, that causes a lot of problem and distress. So that's one of the biggest thing actually intersex activists are fighting against. Um, so when it comes to gender, again, most people understanding, including when I was younger, was just boys slash men and girls slash women. And again, yes, majority people do uh, fall under those categories in terms of their gender identity. But there's also another thing that's actually universal in all human cultures, which is third gender. And the reason it's called third gender is because uh, different cultures have different names for it. Um, it's just in English because we don't have a specific name for it. Like it is in certain cultures, then um, we just say third gender, whatever uh, that may be. And the way the professor breaks down the understanding of gender is saying that because our understanding of gender is binary and limited to begin with, so the best way that American people in general come to understand it is to say, oh, this person is a trans man or this person is a trans woman, um, where other cultures, they don't necessarily do that. They just have like a whole other word for it. So I hope my sharing uh, of that gender and sex um, from anthropology class helps the audience to understand better for anyone who's not familiar with it. That being said, I don't want to take up too much time. I want, I'd love to hear a st- uh, story from Sen. 
I also want to add that um, the medical, like these medical institutions, our doctors, especially in like in uh, white nations, they are rooted in patriarchy. They're rooted in white supremacy. So even yes, like a lot of intersex people are being um, forced into boxes that their bodies were not made for. Um, but also even um, pe just anybody really has to uh uh fall into these like um this binary that was created by whiteness and pa patriarchal uh people so like for example like i feel like there are um there are even cis people like cis black women or uh black men that can be kind of like like there's the whole thing with um in the past with like uh i don't know her name but there was this a black woman that was put on display in like the 1800s because she had um, really big features. Like she had a big ass. She had a big. She had a. She had really. Um, oh, that's the uh, the hot and Venus. Yes, yeah. she had big lab. Like her labia um, majora was really big. She had probably had like a big clitoris. I'm sorry for like being so so um, vulgar, but. Um, so even no, I mean that's just no, like just know, scientific yeah. biological <laughs> Sorry, not... yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. Don't apologize. <laughs> but even even um, people who are not really like you would think of as intersex are being like um, masculinized or feminized without their permission. So I think uh, um, that's why trans people are always championing like self determination. Like we need to take the agency back in determining who we are. Um, that being said, I wanted to answer um, Oxford's question about um, whether or not I knew that I was uh, born of the wrong gender at a young age. Um, I think it's really important to keep in mind that like not all trans people have the same narrative. Like I know that like the media um, has a hand in kind of perpetuating this narrative that trans people always knew or something, but not all trans people know at a very young age. A lot of people have to grow into their grow into their transness and become conscious about this issue. Um, for me though, I I also wasn't always conscious about uh, these issues, obviously as like a kid, like I'm not talking about gender theory as like a four year old, um, but I was always, uh, I was always really like um, feminine and I always, uh, well, like like Mia, I was also born with a penis, and um, I think at a young age, I vividly remember like wondering about gender reassignment surgery. Like as a like literally, I remember as like a five year old wondering like, can my penis? Be oh wow, really? Yeah, I was like, can my penis become a vagina? Like I would just think that to myself. But um, as I got older, it seemed like such a uh, it didn't seem like a possibility at all, so I kind of just like put it away, and I think as like a pu put it uh, yeah like put it away in my mind. But I think as a like <laughs> as a pre as a prepubescent like what? <laughs> but um, as a prepubescent, I feel like it was easy for me not to think about it because you know like especially when you're like a little Asian person like I don't know you're already kind of androgynous so I didn't really like pay I didn't really like have to think about gender I was really kind when I was younger you know I look mad feminine um so it didn't I don't think it really bothered me um but then uh, oh and I also played with dolls obviously like it's 
very like common for trans femmes um and i remember when i was like young like getting close to my teens like 11 12 i was really obsessed with like britney spears and beyonce so i would um I would like put on show like if my family had company over I would put on shows for them and I would like I don't know I would wear like short shorts and like a tank top or something and I would dance sort of like how they would dance in their music videos and I'm pretty sure I made a lot of people uncomfortable because like this little (laughs) this little Asian boy is like is like whining and gyrating their hips and just like being just (laughs) It's just, it was just a lot. You were born a diva. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, and then when puberty hit me, um, it kind of caused me distress. Um, like when I started to masculinize, um, because it sort of shifted the perception of my. I mean, it obviously shifted the perception that people had of my body um, into a more gender non-conforming state because. I feel like when I was like coming into my teens and hitting puberty, I was like as an East Asian person, like I feel like you're already seen as like this like feminine creature. But then when I was, but then I started to masculinize, so I was getting these like wider shoulders. Um, I developed a certain like musculature. Uh, my nose got wider, my skin got oilier. Um, so I was kind of just like this mess. Like I was um, <laughs> feminine, but. Um, I was also like had masculine features and it was really uncomfortable like I I didn't know how to exist as a gender non-conforming person um I didn't like I I didn't want to um and I knew very young that like being a visibly queer or trans person was very dangerous so I kind of had a decision that I in my mind it was either I masculinize fully or I feminize fully so that I could be safe, you know? So my decision um, was at 18, after I graduated high school, I took my ass to our community health center and I got on hormones because I was just like, I think it would be easier to live as either distinctly a man or distinctly a woman. And I chose to go with the, like, the woman route. Um... And yeah, that's actually how I came out to my mom. I literally just got on hormones. I had surgery and she was like, oh, okay. You didn't discuss this with me, but sure. Um, <laughs> actually, I, I was just about to ask that to, to both Nia and uh, you, Sen. Um, if, if you don't mind, like, how does that, like, that coming out process work? I mean, I think we see in popular media more and more of how you know for gay people how it works it, it but for like trans people like how how, do, how does that happen i don't even remember it like I, honestly how i came out i came out as gay um first like in high school no in like middle school high school i came out as gay like that i was attracted to men um and my mom was just like oh okay she she kind of like didn't really think much of it because i was so young um, but the way that I came out as trans was kind of like just in your face. Like I literally just trans. I took on medical. I I just medically transitioned. Like I went on hormones. I had surgery, and she was just like, "Oh." Well, were you at away at college at the time, or no? I mean, I, I was in college. I was starting college, but I I went to college near my uh, where where I lived with my family. So I was still with them, um, 
and they they extended me uh, more grace than a lot of trans kids uh, get from their family. So I'm kind of grateful for that. Um, yeah, they they kind of just let me do what I wanted. That's really nice. Just want to add a quick note. Um, so yeah, thank you to both of you for sharing your story. Just want to let the audience know that gender expression can certainly be one of the signs that indicate someone may not be what we call a cisgender. Um, not always necessarily. It could be... Can you define cisgender for the audience too? Yeah. So basically, I anyone who's not trans would be called cis, I guess, if I would call, or put it this yeah, way. It's if a you Latin are, word. Yeah. So say you're assigned male at birth and you identify as a boy slash men. Or you're assigned female birth and you identify as girl slash woman, you'll be considered cisgender. So, yep, yeah. I should put that out there. And yeah, um, you know, say a little boy could be playing with dolls, maybe he grow up and it, and he says, "Hey, I'm gay." Or a little boy playing dolls and say, "Hey, I'm straight." It's not a definite thing. Or maybe say, "Hey, I'm actually not a boy," like you all assume based on my biological sex, I'm actually a girl. So. It varies. Um, I don't want folks to think like, oh, I saw a child with a different gen expression. That kid must be trans. Like, let that person figure it out and come to terms with it. And they will present to you to the way they are. So I just want to, like, put that out there. Another thing is, speaking of gender nonconformity, um, and this is kind of like a debate that I know it's been going on that I've seen online. Um, there are people who feel, like I said, they don't feel in any of the gender binary they don't feel like a boy or a girl they just i i have friends who feel agendered i i also my former supervisor actually is gender non-binary and used adem dares pronoun only um and that's again a totally valid and yeah it's not oh and so some people sorry just one more sentence so what i was gonna say is so so some gender non-conforming folks they do identify as trans and i do know an asian american individual who does but there are also some trans people take issue with that apparently and be like, you don't get to call yourself trans if you're not a trans man, trans woman, because you're not fitting in within the gender binary. So there's like a whole debate ass on that. Like, I, I don't know what to say in regards to that. I feel like that's a fight I'm not really allowed to uh, speak with authority on. I'm just letting audience know this is a thing. Okay, go ahead, Nia. I just want to say I'm really familiar with that debate, but I, I, and, and that rift between non-binary people and binary trans people. Um, I don't think it's fair to um, criticize. I mean, I think binary trans people can grow and understand gender in a more progressive and contemporary way. But I think a lot of binary trans, well, I'm going to speak for binary trans women, especially like the elder I'm not saying they're old, but like the older, um, older gener, <laughs> older generation of binary trans women. Um, they they had to be that way to survive. Like they mm-hmm. their understanding mm-hmm. of their, yeah. under, their understanding of gender was informed by the cis white patriarchal world that they lived in. So of course they would say certain things like, "Oh, you have to be either a man or a woman," because that's what they were taught as people that were growing up during those times. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point. I'm so glad you brought that up. Do you feel like sometimes it comes to the place of like good intention, but maybe not the best for the younger kids when saying like they're trying to protect them? Like, hey, this is the way to be. Like, this is the only way to survive. You got to like conform to the hardest. Well, yeah. I, you know, I think I think that the okay. So I think the thing is, it's like gender 
and like race, we know our social constructs, right? Are we all in agreement about that, right? That like gender is a social construct and it is not stagnant and it's not in a vacuum. So what is what is happening is that, you know, even in the prefix trans, it's in movement. So what is going on with uh, gender nonconforming folks and, and um, people is that that gender has morphed into this what it is now that like uh, that that the the newer generations the millennials understand and see that gender is a so- social construct and they see that like with i think with the the rise of the internet and being able to access a lot of information uh, from multiple uh, like multiple uh, multiple spaces in different uh forms of knowledge right that that gender looks different in many different cultures and so um, some of them just say, fuck this. I don't have to conform to just man or woman. So they're just, they don't, they don't, uh, abide by those rules. But then like, like Sen said that like the older, uh, older binary trans women or men, they are very still locked in that time when gender, uh, their gender and they went, you know, like this, I know after going through surgeries myself that like it is a fucking process and it takes a lot and it's a healing process it's a a, so many things are happening right um and i i can see how a i'm not going to speak for all like trans uh, older people but i can see how an older trans person wants to claim that like i'm a trans person i fought for this and a lot of them have because you know mind you um with the pride conversation right gay pride it's not about people being half naked on a parade our first pride was basically (laughs) yeah a lot of people think that like you know like they're just yeah it was a riot so back then it was a very common thing that like queer people trans people people that were visibly gender variant that didn't look like a man or didn't act like a man or didn't look like a woman or didn't act like a woman they were they were dealt with violence not just from like community but also from the state right like the first pride was a riot what happened was cops came in there and they were as they do on a on a weekly daily basis whatever they would go in and they would pick out people that were breaking the law and back then it was against the law if you were wearing anything that was considered masculine and you were not masculine uh, by by sex, then they would take your ass to jail. They would pull your ass by your hair. They would um, beat you and all of that. And finally, you know, with like the the queer community seeing the the civil rights movement in full blown, like you know, a black people, um, Asian people, the Native American uh, folks, uh, Chicano Latino people were fighting for the their civil rights. They were like. We're going to fight back too. And so, um, a, a we call, I call it rainbow capitalism, but also my comrades as well, that like, um, <laughs> yes, definitely like that rainbow capitalism that, um, co- corporations like Target have really monopolized, uh, 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 capitalized on this I- uh, identity. You know, and they're like, oh, we're selling rainbow shirts. We're selling this. So you can wear this to <laughs> yeah. to your gay pride where you're paying 20 to 40, maybe $100 to go and show your pride, right? It's really twisting 
um, what was a, a riot into yes. a event, yes. like a concert, and where you go and get drunk and wasted and, and you know, not that I have an issue with that, but I'm just saying. <laughs> <I'm not gonna> <laughs> <laughs> so anyways. Uh, yeah, I'm so glad you brought the history of gay pride parade because I feel like a lot of people either don't know about that or forget about it just because they only see like, you know, half naked men parade around. And that's fine. That's their individual expression. But it's, yeah, I, I think that whole rainbow capitalism has really um, clouded people's head. And speaking of, you know, whitewashing history or POC characters, which we see all the time in American movies. We see this happening to black characters, Asian characters, etc. So when it comes to LGBTQ people, the same thing happened with a movie precisely about Stonewall Riot. And they basically make, of course, once again, the white guy as the hero of the movie, a hero of the story. Uh, it's the same old like white male savior trope. When actually what they have erased is the fact a trans black woman fucking threw rock on the window and be like, fuck y'all, you know, they like, yeah, fuck the police. Yeah, it was Marsha P. Johnson yes. and Marsha P. Johnson and Sylvia Rivera, two um, black and brown trans women that were very visibly trans um, and they were sex workers and they were people that were in that community. They were fighting, literally surviving. They were being beaten every day. They were the ones that fought back first because they've had enough. You know, and like you said, like when when some um, like capital takes a hold of this story, they really like to make it centered around gay, cisgender, white men. Yeah, I mean, that's so fitting because, you know, the guy who directed that Stonewall movie, do you know what other movie he directed? Independence Day, you know, the the big like Will Smith blockbuster. Oh, so. it's the same. It's <laughs> in, oh, okay. I just spit out my tune. Just, you know, putting, just putting my movie trivia to, to use there. <laughs> Sen, did you want to continue with your life story or? Oh, um, I don't think there was any. I mean, after I transitioned, I mean, after I started going on to hormone therapy and, um, you know, getting the surgeries that I wanted, um, it was just more about like living life and just <laughs> moving forward um, as a, um, as, you know, the woman that I am. Yeah, I think thanks for telling that story. Uh, Sen, I, I want maybe you can start a discussion on a very interesting insight you had uh, in one of uh, you know our calls before, and you, and you had said that there's some like you could uh, I guess some kind of shared feeling that you said that uh, trans people have with you know the the so-called like uh, incels in that there is this I guess um, anxiety about like sexuality uh, and the expression of it. Uh, do you want to talk more about that? Because I found that really interesting. Yeah, I mean, there's so much to unpack there. Because um, I think about the incel movement, but I also think about Asian men and like Asian, I don't know what they call it now. I think it's like MR Asians, like men's rights activists that are Asian. Um, and just like the things that they fight for is kind of so first of all i want to say that um gender was love my friend my one of my friends um a good girlfriend of mine she always says that gender was not made for anybody um and that we all kind of make attempts at gender transition um and this gender transition is to kind of like fit the standard of white um cis uh uh, molds of gender right so if you're a man you have to be 
a certain way. If you're a woman, you have to be a certain way. So I think no matter who you are, you're always like, like even if you're a cis man, you're you're going to uh, make attempts to affirm yourself as a man, whether that's going to the gym and buffing up, you know, your upper body, getting muscle, or um, asserting yourself a certain way. Um, I think uh, when you add uh, race to it, like, I think um then you like as asian as asian men they they feel that they need to they need to aspire to a certain kind of uh like masculinity um and i think that's where the incel movement and the trans movement kind of like uh mirror each other because um and i think nia um linked they uh, a video to um, ContraPoints, um, who is a YouTuber, um, detailing this, um, where like a lot of male incels are kind of their their transition is about uh, fighting their own their own inability to um, fit the standard of masculinity. So their transition is about reasserting themselves as men, um, whereas um, trans women or trans people. But more so, I think the the correlation is between trans women and male incels because trans women also. I think a lot of trans women. I'm not saying all trans women, but in my my case, this was true that we kind of felt like we also failed masculinity. But instead of taking the incel route and being like, no, I'm going to reassert myself as a man and do whatever I can. I'm gonna take the red pill. I'm gonna go work out. I'm gonna take protein shakes. I'm gonna bag chicks or whatever. Um, trans women kind of like reject all that and we just like throw it all away and go the other route and um aspire to like a feminization um i love which it is kind yeah i just say the hell with it <laughs> yeah <laughs> which is kind of like the word the male incels like worst nightmare like we're literally their worst nightmare come to life interesting so your observation is that there are male individuals or male-born individuals who try the absolute hardest to conform society's uh, standard of masculinity and then there are individuals that are like who, who gives a shit about this i'm gonna do it my own way yeah and i think the root that ties them both together is that you know men are not traditional masculinity is um dying like a lot of a lot of people find that traditional masculinity is kind of impossible to subscribe to so you can either react the incel way or react the the trans way, I guess. That's how I see it. You know, that would be really refreshing if I could. we get to see more men. And, and I'm not necessarily saying, like, you must go to transitional stage. That is, like, a very personal decision. But it's it would be refreshing to see more, I guess, cis men or even trans men, you know, um, to just be like, who gives a shit, like, Fuck this, like, whole masculine, masculine standard set by society. I'm going to be my own version of masculinity that's not defined by society. Like, and just, like, throw the whole shit away. Like, that's refreshing. It would be cool to see that. I feel like um, the incel movement, like, it's about, like, not being able to gain the, the, uh, the beauty standards that were imposed by European beauty standards you know, like that we see. So like they, like, you know, in some movement, they have their own language on how they describe people like chads and Becky's as like, you know, yes! the, the top tier. Oh my of, God, it's 
so funny. Right, right. The top tier of like people that like how, how uh, people that they can never be like alphas, right? And then they have the betas and all of that stuff. So they have their own language. But um, you know, I, I would be very uh, hesitant or, or critical to to equate that trans people are are like incel, you know, because. Um, I think that the, the killer, the, the distinction for me that I really wanted to like uh, pound down on is that like trans people are dealing with gender dysphoria, and that is something that is mm-hmm. uh, is a medical condition that that happens, right? Um, and uh, incel, I'm not an incel, you know, I get laid pretty often, um, <laughs> <laughs> but that like incel, f- <laughs> from what I understand, is that like they um they're not getting the type of beckys that they want right and so that because of their bone structure or their their uh some idea that they have about how they're supposed to look to get this specific type of woman uh or girl uh the, the, there's a type of like um nihilism and and uh depression that is happening you know so um i I would want to be very careful about combining like trans people and uh, incel uh, folks. That's it's here's an interesting connection, unexpected connection between I guess you could say queerness or with uh, incel. And I just learned about it from googling on Wikipedia. Apparently, it actually started, and I'm going to read the first paragraph. The first online community to use the term incel was started in 1993. When a Canadian college student known only by her first name, Alana, created a website in order to discuss her sexual inactivity with others, the website titled Alana's Involuntary Celibacy Project was used by people of all genders, not just men, of all genders to share their thoughts and experiences. In 1997, she started a mailing list on the topic that used the abbreviation INVCL, which was later shown to incel, where it was defined as anyone, anybody of any gender who was lonely, had never had sex or hadn't started a relationship in a long time. During her college career and after, she realized she was queer and became more comfortable with her identity. She later gave the site to a stranger. When speaking about the website in 2018, Alana said it definitely wasn't a bunch of guys blaming women for their problems. That's a pretty sad version of this phenomenon that's happening today. Things have changed in the last 20 years. So it's so amazing to me that it wasn't started by men. It was started by a woman. Yeah, it was a woman who a came woman. to realize a she was queer. Woman. A woman who came a to realize she was woman. queer. And then now it's a bunch of like cis heterosexual identify men that's just going mad on this and identifies to himself like that wow yeah i mean i you know i i hope they get laid i'm just, <laughs> I, just I want them to get laid so that way they don't have to you know um get to the point where they oh are God. hurting themselves or hurting other people i mean you know they're going like there there have been cases like they call elliot rogers who is uh you know i don't know if you know the case of elliot rogers but oh, we we all the, know. Oh, oh believe me, we well, know. <laughs> yeah, you know, like they call him the 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 true gentleman, and that like that is what? The, the supreme gentleman. The what? And he Wait. was he was also part Asian, right? Yeah, he was yeah, half he, Asian. He was. Yeah. He, was, he was half age. He, oh, yeah. he, I mean, I, I've read his manifesto. I don't know if you oh, have. Oh, God. I mean, he, uh, that shit's I mean, he, crazy. Yeah. I mean, he ca- he called himself the, the supreme gentleman, which has right. like, yeah. become yeah, this yeah, kind of like half, half serious, half facetious way of, uh, you know, people talking about themselves and him like one thing that contrapoints also pointed out is that a lot of these incels there there's not really anything wrong with them like i mean I, I hate to say it but like some of them are not like 
some of them are it's not like they're they're unattractive or some of them are actually conventionally attractive but i think it's their own personal hang-up and we're really seeing the the ramifications of like gender like this gender system that we've been that has been imposed on us. Like Elliot Rogers believing that, like having resentment towards women um, for rejecting him or uh, or just like his, his, his kind of frustration at his own like perceived sexual ineptitude is really about like how, um, about how men in this country in general like view the, like especially, uh, men of color because men of color are subjected to um to white patriot uh white yeah. uh, beauty standards yeah so um i think it's just important to come to terms with that and understand and let it how, go <laughs> yeah understand understand how you've been affected by um by cis white patriarchy and um uh, yeah, while, while we're on the topic of, like, sex and relationships, uh, another thing we talked about before uh, is that some trans people, um, like, they don't want to be... Okay, so, so uh, walk walk me through how, how this works. If you're, like, say, a trans woman who's attracted to men, but that man... Um, now, like, it, now there's a... Uh, I think there's a question of whether that man is attracted to you as as like a trans woman or as like the man you used to be right it, there's like some there, there's got to be some like yeah uh, like gray varies. area there yeah I think and, it and then like yeah i think it depends um and then yeah. uh I, I think sen you said something about like like uh like trans women don't want to be with like men who are kind of like might they suspect of being gay or something um i think that's what you said am, am i am i correct in saying that um, I think when this current, like, mainstream, especially, like, in the media, when this mainstream trans movement began, um, it was, it was a lot of, like, trans women's, like, agenda to, like, uh, to make it a point that the men that they were dating were not gay. Um, and I think, I mean, I, I think that if a man is attracted to a woman, trans, a lot of, most trans women that I know look and are per- perceived as women in, in public and in, in public settings so I, I i wouldn't i think that if a man just saw a trans woman um like out on the streets and didn't know she was trans like i don't think that would make him and was attracted to her i don't think that would make him gay um do i think that like men who uh have sex with trans women are gay i mean it's just like I don't want to I don't want to say certain things because I feel like there is a movement that is supposed to be happening and we're we're trying to make uh we're trying to alleviate the shame that men feel but there isn't there shouldn't be any shame in being gay anyway and I think that um yeah I think that um I mean I think we're getting so caught up in the label right yeah yeah so a gay man is a gay man is just a man that's in that is sexually attracted to a man um but yeah, like uh, most men that I have been with, and I would probably say the same for you, right, Zen? That like they have been heterosexual or bisexual men. Yeah, I would, I, I, would, right? I would say um, pansexual just because. Um, oh, yeah, I'm okay. pansexual too. I would say pansexual just because um, I'm of the, of the group that kind of like, if you. Okay, how do I say this? <laughs> I 
enjoy sucking dick, I think you're. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe go and just throw that out. Like, let me just be blonde. If you enjoy sucking dick, oh. I think if you enjoy sucking dick, you're a little gay. And I mean, I think if you're a man and you enjoy sucking, I'm sorry. Like, I mean, I I think that the fact that you're attracted to a trans woman, um, a trans woman's like aesthetic and her 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 being, her femininity. And stuff, is is heterosexual but i think there's a nuance like in the i think the uh, i mean i don't think it matters but i think the way that um certain trans women trans women and their lovers have sex um i think could be categorized as like queer sex i would say queer not like specifically gay um it i think i think trans i think trans women and cis cis men relationships are kind of queer um you know so to answer um, Oxford's questions, um, if you ask, you know, a bunch of different trans women individuals, you're going to get different answers to it. And I know because I've listened to this topic and trans women discussion and it the answer always varies a little bit. So there's not even a consensus uh, on the subject matter. I think what one thing is for sure, I think uh, human sexuality is a lot more complex than a lot of us uh, may understand it to be. And oftentimes for some people, it doesn't fit into the neat box of being what it means to be heterosexual, bisexual, homosexual, or straight, gay, bi, whatever. Um, and I've, I know, oh, here's the thing. There are men who identify as a straight man and they have been attracted trans women, not knowingly, even if they say trans women things, not knowingly because they find her very attractive, seen her in public. This is extremely common, more common than people understand. Um, and then when it comes to, you know, being in an intimate relationship with them, there are those who would only say, I'm only going to be in a trans woman if that person what's considered, uh, if I'm using a term, a post-op. Um, and it's a not pre-op, and there are some who's the reverse, um, even prefer uh, pre-op, and then there's some are open to either. I mean, it really varies. And then there are um, bisexual men openly or closet bisexual men who are attracted to trans women, like that to trans someone, or even trans women specific. Like, it really, really varies. So um, I know trans women have dated men that have only dated cis women in the past and they just happened to like her and they were open, they had no issue with it. I know cases where men who were um, attracted to trans women in specific, there ha- I've seen debates where some people see it's fetishizing and views uh, dehumanizing and some people say like, no, that's further stigmatizing um, desire to what trans women do because there's a whole that debate. I'm not, I'm not going to speak on it with authority on that, but that's a thing. Um, and I also have actually, so one of my former co-worker uh, have openly, and this is a thing, I feel like every time I've, say like hey yes i'm bi i'm a bi woman uh bi men like open up to me automatically like they feel really comfortable too because they i don't have to worry about, i guess being made fun for their masculinity by their male peer usually straight guys and also they're like hey you're bi i'm bi too so is like common sense so i'm always hearing like stories from them whenever uh i i meet them and what this man in particular told me that he had sexual relations with men in the past but um, he he doesn't anymore because he's married now to a wife and have two kids. And he also was very open and told me that 
like he thinks trans women are awesome like he thinks uh especially trans women who have the body parts that he desire which is both i guess breasts and penis he told me very explicitly um he thinks it's great he thinks it's the best of both worlds and he's not alone i know he's not the only man who views that way you can find online men who like that I guess combination in particular, regardless of that person's identity, that's just what they like biologically. Um, that's also a thing. So it, it really varies. There are men who are attracted to trans women identify straight, and there are men who are attracted to trans women identify as bi or neither, pan, queer, whatever. Um, what I haven't met is a gay man that, that say, wow, I want to date this trans woman and have sex with that. I have not. For as far as I know, gay men are men who are attracted to men only, period. That's Actually, I, I know in the community, like when um, when a gay man has sex with a trans woman, that is an attack. That is Can you attack. talk more about it? Because I'm so not familiar. Yeah, I've definitely. Never heard of that that is like from from what I understand that like, you know, gay men are into men. They they mostly have sex with men. Right. And when they're ha- when they're having sex with you, they're like a trans woman. They're saying you're a you're a fucking man. Oh, does that wow. make sense? That is that is actually a thing. Yeah, that's a thing. Yeah, that's a thing. Oh my god! That, though, though, because, yeah, yeah. Add, add some oh, I just want to. Um, I just wanted to add something to my story. Um, because I do think it's, I do think it's, uh, it's a little important because um, when I when I first like when I was eighteen and I first started taking hormones and transitioning, I did it kind of under because I was working at a community center at this time. Um, uh, and I was doing like program like uh, advocacy and then like developing programs for LGBT youth and um, one of my mentors there was actually um, a uh, a participant of the New York City ballroom scene um, and for any of the listeners that are not aware if you know about like voguing um, which is like a type of dance you could google it like I mean YouTube it voguing um, that's yeah, like so the 80s dance right or was it um, the 70s I, I mean, think it was the 80s. There are contemporary versions of it now. Um, and um, the ballroom scene is just basically like a scene where houses, which uh, consist of like uh, members, and it's usually uh, either uh, trans women, like black or Latinx trans women or gay men. Um, and they're called femme queens and butch queens. Butch queens refer to gay men. And um, yeah, and um, I did. I kind of transitioned under the tutelage of my mentor um and so I kind of transitioned uh under the influence of ballroom which uh is informed by hip-hop and I guess like urban culture um and I say that to say because I think in the ballroom scene I do see a lot of butch queens and femme queens getting together and um it doesn't always work out but you know a lot of a lot of girls that I know in the ballroom scene um actually prefer gay men um and yeah (laughs) it's really interesting yeah yeah they prefer gay men is because they don't like they prefer gay men is because it's less drama and less that they have to deal with violence from a straight or a bisexual man yes exactly Uh, i've heard of this before i've i've heard of this um frustration expressed by this anonymous youtuber is a gay man and he says I'm so tired of straight women individuals that purpose to seek gay men because they don't want to deal with the problems that come with being with a straight man. So they keep just trying to hunt us. Like, but leave us alone. We don't like you like that. And I was like, oh my God. 
Um, yeah, there are there are some straight women that fall in love with their gay best friend. Or, you yeah, know, and it's not like they didn't know. Like, they know up front they're gay. And it just... I don't know. I guess it's the whole, like, chasing what you can't have. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Neo, when you said that... Um, it's like when when a trans woman is with a gay man that's seen as an attack. I mean, like, oh, who's well, you know, it, it's not really like an attack. It's like I'm just I'm playing with that. But like, you know, it's 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 like, you know, if if a if a gay man is uh, going after a trans woman, there's something going on there that they're they're you know saying that like I you know I'm you know you're they're saying that you're a man. Yeah, that you know, you're, like you're not if really a, a woman, right? Yeah, like you're not really a woman. I'm gonna have sex with you're a man. Like that's. So I'm not familiar with that dynamic, but I do know a story. So my godmother, God bless her, who is the strongest, smartest woman I ever know. Like truly, very tough woman, and she always tell me one one thing: do not trust men. And I was like, but, <laughs> but, but godmother, if I'm gonna be able to show men, I I have to like trust them. Like, no, you never trust a man. Um, and so I was like, you mean all men? Yes, all men. Even gay men? Yes. I was like, wait, but a gay man wouldn't be interest, interested in have sex with me, so why would I? And, and then she shared her own personal experience where she actually have encountered a gay man that expressed interest in having sex. I forgot with her or another woman or something. Kind of like, think of uh, someone who's, I guess, bi-curious and usually hear sort of like a straight girl that's bi-curious or even straight guy, you don't hear that as much, or quote-unquote straight um but the other way around from the other direction i guess that's what's happening he was like i had sex with men all my life i don't know if i've liked sex with women but let me try it once and she was like wow even you two can't believe you straight men try to have sex with me, even you two so ever since she's became convinced she cannot trust any men <laughs> including gay men uh sen you said that there are like some trans women who actually prefer gay men uh because for uh, like those uh, reasons that, that you mentioned um well okay first of all i would say that if you're looking for um i think it's like it's wrong to um it's wrong to assume that just because you're with a gay man that you won't be hurt or experience trauma because gay men gay cis men can be some of the most misogynistic men Ever. I mean, there is a whole. Oh yeah. I mean, there's there's so many there's so many stories about how how racism is so rife in the in the gay community. So yeah, the the idea of like like the the you know magical benevolent like gay uh, man is 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 total yeah. is total just like fiction. It's like it's first like a magical all, negro. First of all, it's like, gay you know. men. First of all, gay men love men. So there is a whole like subgroup of gay men that are about like men are the most men are the priority we're the most precious beings yeah we're superior that's why we love each other and therefore we reject women like there's this whole like mentality <laughs> oh really and that idea can be that. traced back to greece yes like they believe what and here's what's so interesting about patriarchy it wasn't always done dominated by people we reckon we would call heterosexual men or straight men today like if you go go back to ancient greece for example like there was no stigma to homosexual in particular well there may be stigma being a bottom i guess this is a whole comedy bottom top but it was no stigma being like a man having sex with a man like that's just it's it's fine not only it's fine but it was seen as you know it was totally a thing for women in that society to experience less love and affection and um being valued from her male partner because 
it, the message is, you know what? You're just here to make babies for me. My true lover is this man. Like, fuck you. Like, you're not worth anything because you're a woman. And this man, like, he's the one that lived up to me where both men were of higher status. Like, that's totally a thing. And it wasn't seen as a contradiction to masculinity like it is today. It was seen almost as a reinforcement of masculinity. Like, we're both hyper-masculine men. Like, fuck yeah, we're gonna fuck the fuck, the fuck out of each other, you know? <laughs> no, no, really, like, that was a thing. Um, and not just in Greece, you can find examples of men in military who have um, romantic and a sexual relationship with each other. You can find it in Greece, you can find it in Japan, there's plenty of examples. But yeah, just wanna add that. And what uh, Sen said that Gay man can misogynist? Yes, let's give some examples because I think people are only familiar with um, sexist, misogynist examples from straight men. So like some example from gay men, for example, would be feeling that it is okay to make a comment about your physical appearance in a very negative way or even touch you because it's okay, I'm not sexually attracted to you even though like you shouldn't touch people without their permission. So those are exam- some examples. But Sen, if you can think of any other examples, that would be great. Yeah, you know, they're called, what is it, MSM, um, men who have sex with men, because they don't, they don't, uh, they do not um, identify as gay. You know, they they will get a blowjob and they're like, I'm not gay because I got, I only got head. So like, you know, those you know, there's actually a term for it. There's another term for it. It's called, have you heard of term? Bro job, like bro, butter bro. A bro oh, job. yeah. yeah a bro yes. Job. It's a yeah. thing. No, I, I, have not, I have not heard that until. Oh, Oxford, you're now. learning a lot of new things today. I'm so glad. A bro job, yes. <laughs> yeah, no, it's yeah. a thing. It's, so, uh, it's from uh, straight identifying guys who, in my opinion, are in denial of their bisexuality. And they're like, it's it comes on the idea of like hey bro yeah i gotta release all my sexual need can you uh help me out yeah uh thanks that that's where the concept comes from and they're like acting like they're all good buddies who just help each other out <laughs> so <laughs> oh, thanks, it's, bro, it's for basically the bro like you know that line in that in that song it's not gay if it's in a three-way i, it, it, I guess it's riffing on that on that same <laughs> oh, concept huh yes yes pretty much yeah i think we're i think so many of us are so caught up with like sexuality and gender um that there's a there's a type of like internalized policing that we do with each other and ourselves but specifically ourselves um you know i uh, you know i i'm i i used to, i would say i used to do that with myself but like uh you know i'm at a place right now where i'm more comfortable with who i am and um and i can definitely say that like a lot of people do that <laughs> yeah for sure Sen, do you have any uh, comment you want to make further before we move on to other topics? Um, yeah, I think, I don't know if Oxford asked me this, but um, about like the whole trans women preferring gay men. Um, but how, I think a lot of trans women is similar to like Sam's example of straight women. Um, trans women just kind of feel like, uh, well, the trans women in ballroom, I could say that they feel like gay men understand them better. Um, or uh, like because they're in this they're in the same community and I mean that would make sense because you tend to date the people that you're around like you tend to date people that are in your social circles and in your community so that would make sense to me like I think it's really it can be really detrimental to your like well-being to reach out of your community which is the queer and trans community and try to date like I've tried to date straight cis men and it's just kind of a mess because like we have nothing in common we have nothing in common. Um, our worlds are different, and uh, so I understand where they are. Um, 
Uh, the reason I asked that question, I was just wondering if there was some, if those women saw that as as kind of a yes, uh, the the gay men are within you know the LGBTQ community, so they have something in common. But if they thought that this man was attracted to like a, like a gender identity that they had left, like the trans women had left behind, I was wondering if there was some kind of like internal conflict um, that they were not quite getting what they would ideally want to get. I've seen, I've definitely seen um, trans women who've walked away from those experiences, like complaining and being like, oh my God, he just liked me. I mean, he, he's, he, he didn't really like me. He just liked the look or the aesthetic. Cause again, like the ballroom scene is very like, um, it's a place for glamor and pomp, like, you know, cause it is a, it is like an entertainment scene. Um, so sometimes the gay men might be confused and they might be with the trans woman just because she's hot or she's popular or she's like, she's, you know, this she has social glam- capital. Yeah, she's this gla- she's this glamorous being, and they just kind of want to be around that. They they want to be the girl. They want to be the girl, but they they don't have the they don't have the courage or the or the um or the resources to be the girl. So they kind of attach themselves to the girl to kind of feel better. Um, but I've also heard really great stories. Like I've heard great stories from trans women who said that uh, the the gay men. But then again, they might they might identify as butch queens or gay men politically. But I think in reality, because they are entering sexual and romantic relationships with these trans women, that they would actually be pansexual or bisexual. Um, but yeah, like I've also heard trans women say that these gay men are more gen- more of a gentleman than the trade, which is like cis hat men. Because you know they hold doors for you. They're more. They're more respectful. Um, they'll. You know they're just more sensitive. Whereas like um, I've heard people say that. Um, uh, like trans women say that trade is kind of like they're really disrespectful. They'll just they'll just want to fuck you and you know that's it. Um, Interesting. So yeah. yeah. The only time I hear example of like gay men trans women together is because they were together when we're both presenting as men and then one of them came out like hey i'm actually a woman um they hear that stories and in most of those cases i know they just end up as friends maybe some people end up together i definitely hear more examples of like say in lesbian community where um originally was two people presenting as girls or women together and then one of them came out say i'm actually men and some end up still together and except for who they are and some just depart as friends so those are the only examples i hear it's very interesting to hear people who are with a trans woman um afterwards or still with and have not not feeling like i guess an end to that attraction or relationship yeah yeah i mean i think it's uh, it's also like trans like though these trans women that are dating gay men they have a they have a they they tend to have a secure understanding of their own gender right and it isn't that it isn't always like necessarily like a binary gender like some of these trans women even though they may present in a binary way um uh they they understand themselves to be like almost like a third gender and i know they're i know like um we don't really associate that with like black americans of the ballroom scene but um, they do have they do have that nuance and even in um, that's why I wanted to kind of bring it back to uh, Asian like Asian uh, trans and queer history and Asian uh, Asian in the Asian diaspora or whatever um, because there there is more um, space in 
in our histories like for example um in in the philippines there's the tagolo term um I'm, I'm so sorry if I'm butchering any of these words. Uh, please forgive me. I, I don't, if you want to do your own research, you can do that. Um, so you can further look into um, these terms. But I think in the Philippines, there's the bakla, which is like kind of like a third, bakla, yeah, which is kind of like a third gender um, and or maybe more gender fluid. And it usually refers to like feminine uh, people that were assigned male at birth. Um, the uh, Polynesian Poly, uh, Polynesian cultures have like a variety of terms like fafafine um, in Samoa and uh, mahu in Hawaii. Um, uh, Indonesia, they have um, the, I don't know what it's called. Um, I think it's called like, yeah, I don't even know, but I think it's called waria, waria. Um, so yeah, and these all were more, they weren't like, trans women or trans men these were just kind of like fluid uh terms um yeah in like thailand they've got like the um uh thailand they've got the um katuis which uh you know like even even when we're trying to translate that into english like like we had to come like there was no word to describe katui uh they had to combine two words and that's lady boy you know what I mean? So like the, the, the translation for these genders just is clear that like that, that they're like other than trans right now, but that's, that's a very new term that like is, is in the English language. So like, so, um, that, that shows that our like trans people have been consistently erased by the state, you know, especially here in the United States that like with this administration now that, they want to remove, like, they want to remove, like, definitions from um, the legal definitions of, like, gender and, se- and combine the two because they want, they don't want trans people to, to be uh, in existence. Like, it doesn't work out for, for them. Yeah, no, it, it's so interesting to learn about different cultural attitude in other cultures in regards to people who, who are not of the gender binary and noni in certain places they do not face prejudice discrimination it's quite the opposite some of them are highly respected and honored and seen as someone who's more spiritual in a way uh say embodies both the male and female spirit i find that really interesting like people really look to them as almost like a spiritual leader for some cultures hey guys so we're running a little long on time so um yeah, if I could just have some closing thoughts, and this has been a great conversation, we'll have more in the future. So uh, anybody uh, want to start? I have two closing thoughts, so you guys can go first. I can start. Um, so I um, I just want to thank uh, everyone for the conversation. Um, I think that um, gender uh, and sexuality is so uh, socially constructed, and it's always an ongoing and uh Thing that it doesn't just uh, stay stag- static, you know. So um, uh, just be open to that. <laughs> uh, Sen. Um. Yeah, I would say that we're um. Everybody goes through gender transition, whether you're cis or trans. Um, and just to be like aware of how um, our our system has affected um your gender. Yeah, <laughs> that's basically it. Could you 
two things. Uh, one is that I just want to remind everybody, this may seem obvious, but remind everybody being like lesbian, gay, bi, trans, uh, intersex or queer or any of those things is not necessarily a white Western thing. Uh, there is that belief that can be found in various POC communities. And I hear this particularly in, uh, both black and Asian communities. And, um, no, we have always existed. You can find examples of people who did not fit into those gender binary or who would not be considered by two standards in history. And right now, like around you, there are people who might still be uh, what we call closeted and don't feel comfortable, but they have always existed. So just want to remind people of that. And um, I guess hopefully if we're going to be able to do a, a podcast on this again, I would love to explore more the intersection of being queer and being a person of color and in for us in and being Asian American in specific. I think there are some spe- specific experiences that are worth exploring. Like what is the experience like to be a gay Asian man, for example, uh, a gay Asian woman, or what is it like for trans Asian men? Um, I'm so glad we get to have like two Asian American women uh, and share the experience what it's like as a trans woman. And it would be really interesting and really valuable to hear experience from trans Asian men, I feel like people forget they exist too. Um, and people, we, you know, so often when talking about anti-Asian racism or anti-Asian male racism in specific, the first people that talk about usually cis straight guys. And the second people, I guess, are cis gay men. And that's fine. There's, you know, it's valid to talk about those experiences. But I think people forget about how that's also faced by, uh, trans Asian men too and how, um, racism can also amplify um, feelings and struggle of gender dysphoria for some of them. So I would really love to hear, I don't know, any emails uh, from any listener who's of that identity or know someone of that identity. And uh, yeah, let's expand the conversation on what it's like to be Asian American. Oh, can I, can I also just say that um, if you wanted to reach out to any of us, um, you can reach me on Instagram at LadyBoyBlues. Um, that's my Instagram handle. Um, and I'm also on Facebook. My name is Senayane, S-C-N-A-Y-A-N-E. So if you guys, like, if anybody who is listening um, wants more resources on in- Indigenous Asian Pacific Islander uh, trans histories or anything like that, I can definitely uh, send those to you. Sorry. Okay, go Oxford. <laughs> oh no. Uh, well, first, I want to say that uh, all the, all your uh, contact information will be in the. I mean, if you want uh, that uh, publicly made, it'll be in the episode uh, write up. So uh, if if listeners you didn't quite catch that, no, 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 it's good you said that. But if listeners didn't quite catch that, uh, just go you know tap at you know, on your phone or whatever that you're listening to this on, and and uh, I'll we'll put all that information there. Um, my closing thoughts, I just wanted to say that, you know, it's, it's great to have these podcasts where you can just kind of like, you know, just listen more, more, more than you talk. Cause you know, I, I talk a lot on the podcast. So this was, this is a re- very refreshing change. And, um, I just, I just really liked the fact, cause I think like trans people, um, unfortunately often I think get used as pawns, uh, by all sorts of, you know, political factions, uh, either to, you know, advance their agenda of, uh, whether it's like bashing them or you know trying to you know use trans people to for other other interests, so you know just just to actually hear from trans people um, themselves, I think is unfortunately quite rare. So just 
really glad that we had this chance. So, so thank you so much for for coming on. I, I as I said, this is going to be just part of uh, a bigger conversation. You, uh, you know, I'm sure we'll have you back. And you know, there's so much more to talk about. I mean, we covered a lot of ground tonight but you know it's so it's still so thank thank you so much for being a good um a good listener and for asking all the right questions like thank you for that and thank thank you you so much oh well you know i'm i mean you're welcome i I, (laughs) so uh so uh you know i I hate when people say like oh i'm so humbled because a lot of times when you know it's really just like bragging but you know i i am like you know I guess humble to hear that. Uh, okay, so um, uh, thanks uh, everyone. Um, have a great night, and uh, we'll we'll see you again soon. Yeah, thank you guys. Have Bye. a good night. <laughs> Bye. I thank you uh, for listening to this latest episode on uh, Asian trans uh, LGBTQ uh, issues. Uh, uh, Oxford. I was joined by Nia, Sen, and Sam. And as I said at the beginning of the episode, if you like us, please subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, or Google Play. Leave us a review uh, if you can, uh, you know, preferably five stars. And please uh, reach out to us if you want at editor.planameg at gmail.com with any commentary. And as I said, uh, the contact info for all our guests today will be in the episode write-up. So until next week, we'll see you. This was Escape from Plan A, uh, Oxford signing off. Goodbye. No.